Today's Data Knots episode is brought to you in part by IT Pro TV, binge-worthy learning of the most in-demand IT certs. Visit itpro.tv slash data and use code DATANOTS to try it free for seven days and receive 30% off your monthly membership for the lifetime of your active subscription. Welcome to a cloud-native architecture discussion on the Datanauts podcast. Today, we blast off into the microservices galaxy and orbit the binary star system of Istio and Envoy. That's right, a proxy for every microservice instance. What's that you say? Too hard to manage? Infinite points of failure? Well, will we orbit successfully or crash into the fiery cores of these burning stars? Hang in there and we'll find out. At PacketPushers.net, you can find this in all of our Datanauts shows about infrastructure engineering or just search for Datanauts, spelled like astronauts, in your favorite podcatcher. You can follow us at Datanauts underscore show. I am Ethan Banks at EC Banks, and with me is Chris Wall at Chris Wall. And our special guest today, Christian Posta, Chief Architect, Cloud Application Development at Red Hat, who's come to share some of his knowledge about uh, Istio and Envoy. He's done some writing. I found him on the internet, and he said, yes, he'd come be a guest on the show. Christian, uh, welcome to the show, and and let's jump right into it, man. Let's start with uh, Envoy. We're talking about two different things here, Istio and Envoy. Let's start with Envoy. Uh, What is it? So there's a handful of exciting projects out there for me. Envoy is one of them. So Envoy is an application-level proxy that understands application protocols and is able to provide some interesting distributed systems capabilities for your applications. So a proxy like, you know, we, we're pretty familiar with proxies, those of us that do any, any sort of application architecture. But Envoy is a proxy that attaches itself to every microservice? Uh, that is one deployment option. And in the Kubernetes world, that deployment option is kind of known as a sidecar. So a sidecar deployment where each application instance gets its own proxy or, or can get its own proxy. But that's not the only way to deploy Envoy. The Envoy can be deployed as a proxy per host. You know, maybe you're not thinking about in terms of containers or Kubernetes or any of that. And you, maybe you have multiple applications running on a single host, those can share a single Envoy proxy, or you can have Envoy at the edge to act as an ingress gateway to a cluster of services. So Envoy is just a proxy and it can be deployed in in various different architectures. But um, as we start to look at service mesh and Istio and some of those, that's kind of where we see the opinion of deploying Envoy next to each application. Christian, what was the driver to add a proxy to the mix of distributed microservices? Because, you know, we're, we're taking something that, in my limited brain, already sounds kind of complex, and then adding more to it, which makes more complexity. Yeah, I like it. So you're right. It is, it is complex. Whenever you start thinking about breaking applications up into smaller components that then have to interact with each other over a network to complete a, a job or responsibility, that becomes a lot more complex. I, I guess you can say that it becomes more complex with these proxies in there, but I like to look at it from a different standpoint. And that is because of this complexity, you have to solve a lot of different problems that come up. Some of the 
more obvious ones are around, well, you can't rely on the network, right? So you have to build some reliability into the applications. Things like service discovery, load balancing, uh, circuit breaking, these types of things. So you have to solve for them in some way. And in the past, and in, in some incarnations of microservices, we've kind of done that in the application. I would argue that that becomes more complex. Meaning um, the proxy sits in the application layer or the that... proxy behavior, okay. even though it's not really a proxy. What Envoy is responsible for today, we used to do in applications. So for example, Matt Klein and his team at Lyft who built Envoy originally, he came from Twitter and they had to solve these problems. And what, what they did was they built the application framework framework. This happened to be targeted at, for a specific language, so the, the JVM specifically, and they built the framework uh, Finagle. The, the framework was responsible for timeouts, retries, client-side load balancing, tracing, rate limiting, all of this stuff. Right. So this functionality has to live somewhere. And the way it becomes more complicated is when you are relying on each developer to properly instrument their code with the with these frameworks and these patterns when you start to bring in new programming languages that uh, your framework wasn't originally written for now you either have to re rewrite it in this new language so maybe going from java to node.js now you have to re-implement these things in node.js or if you want to bring in golang or python or whatever you kind of have to either go find solutions for this or implement it yourself. And, and, and really, you know, from a developer standpoint, developers like writing code, so that's not that big of a deal. But now, how do you operationalize this? You're going to have to maintain all of those libraries, all those frameworks. And when you find a bug in one, you're going to have to figure out how to patch it in all of the different variations that you have. So maintaining that becomes a, a monstrous effort. So operationability, I think, is is a big part of what Envoy is trying to solve in general. And so from that perspective, you could think, well, if we take that responsibility and implement it out of process of the applications in one single spot, that then you know it's going to behave exactly the same across all the applications, regardless of what framework they're written in. That kind of helps to simplify some of those operation concerns. So how much functionality do we actually move into Envoy then? I mean, I, getting your point about move some of these things out of the application that need to happen no matter what into Envoy. Got it. So how complex then, how, what kind of functions do we actually have in Envoy? As some proxies, they just sit in the middle of a connection. They do some, some network address translation. They got some filtering and they don't do a lot else. Is this where we're at with Envoy or does it, does it go even deeper than that? So Envoy, I think, goes deeper. Fundamentally, it is like some of those other proxies where it's, you know, able to uh, shuttle connections back and forth and, and that kind of stuff. But it, it also has an extensibility API so that you can plug in codecs for different protocols that might be running over these connections. HTTP 1, HTTP 2, gRPC, these are ones that come out of the box so that would be very familiar to people writing services or microservices. But there's there's work in the community to extend that to support even non-typical RPC-style protocols like Kafka or AMQP for messaging. And so there's there's this opportunity to write additional functionality into the proxy, make, make it smarter and extend it in novel ways. 
I think even just with HTTP 1 and 2 and gRPC, the functionality that it's able to offload is really oriented around application level, L7 level networking. Timeouts, retries, circuit breaking, these are all par for the course. You need to have that in your applications. It's also able to do things like advanced load balancing and service discovery. Since application traffic is flowing through it, it can it can understand how many requests per second are coming in, how many are failing, how many retries, how many circuit breaking events, these types of things. So it's able to capture a lot of telemetry about the traffic that's going over it. And it's able to do rate limiting and, and traffic routing and traffic splitting and all of these things that are mature. So once you start to get into the world of services architectures and cloud infrastructure, having these things are kind of table stakes. Yeah, you said mature, and that, that's that's where my head was going. You talked about things like, oh, it can observe, uh, you know, connection setup and teardowns and, and track all that stuff and create telemetry. Well, right, okay, so a, a grown-up or mature load balancer would do those things and give you those metrics. So it's got all that. So we're well beyond the, it's a proxy, it's cute, it's got a front door and a back door and proxies the, the connectivity between the two. It does a lot more than that. Got it. Yep, and, and it has to because it's running in production that uh, – quite a handful or even more than that now places, including Lyft, where the, the ride sharing company, where it was originated, you know, it's running in, in production for all of the services that run at Lyft. It kind of a, maybe a dumb question. I don't know. Is this just for, is Envoy just for HTTP based applications or is it intended for something else or kind of help me, help me scope it in my mind? I think in today at a point in time that for HTTP style architectures or RPC style architectures, it's it's a great fit out of the box, but it's not limited to that. There was some work that started, I don't know how far along it's come in the open source communities to to build the Kafka protocol, the Kafka filter for Envoy, so that Envoy can understand when we make a connection to, to Kafka broker for more asynchronous style, uh, event-driven style architectures that that Envoy can provide some value in those architectures as well. So things like knowing what topics producers and consumers are talking to, the ability to, to implement security for those teams writing to the, the different brokers. So capturing telemetry and implementing policy around the brokers, these are capabilities that would be of great value to people not doing typical RPC style architectures. Uh, at Red Hat, I think I also said this, that we're working on pretty pretty close to having complete a filter that understands AMQP, so another popular messaging protocol. So although today, gRPC, the HTTP2 and 1 protocols, those, those are out of the box. There is some support, I believe, for MongoDB and maybe DynamoDB, a couple of other, other ones, and things for messaging systems are coming down the pike as well. Let's shift gears a little bit. We kind of have a sense of what Envoy is now and what it does, but if I got to manage all these things, like we were talking about the sidecar proxy model, one of the deployment models where every microservice has got this sidecar proxy of Envoy sitting off to the side there. If I got to manage all those things, I'm not doing that by hand, obviously. So is that where Istio steps in? That's definitely where Istio steps in, but it is also enabled by Envoy because you can feed Envoy a configuration file just like you can in these other proxies. And it, it can read it and understand it and behave the way you're, you're configuring it. 
but it is also built to be very dynamic. That configuration can be served up by APIs. Basically, all the configuration can be served up by APIs. So if you build an API server that publishes uh, the configuration in a format that Envoy understands, Envoy can dynamically look up, hey, what are the routing rules that I'm supposed to use? So if this request comes in, it matches this header, and I, now I need to send it off to this cluster, we can update that and configure that at, at runtime through this API mechanism. If I need to update the list of clusters or list of endpoints in a, in a cluster for service discovery, I just push that through, through the API and Envoy can automatically figure it out. All right, so individual proxies, once you start to grow out of, you know, hey, we just have a couple of proxies, uh, we don't want to be hand managing or even using config management tools to try to manage configuration for these proxies, we can set up a, an API that, it, that uh, publishes the clusters and routes and endpoints and all that stuff. And Envoy can consume that and, and pull that information in dynamically. So Envoy enables all that stuff. Istio on top of that does a bunch of other stuff, but Istio is responsible for the management of the cluster of these Envoys by publishing an API that the Envoys can grab their configuration from. So that, that's one thing that, that Istio hmm. does. But when you start running all of these, these proxies in a cluster, sure, you need, you need a way to configure them. You need kind of a higher level API, maybe than just the direct Envoy API itself. So Istio provides a higher level API for, for configuring Envoy. When you need to manage, so Envoy can do TLS encryption over the network. And so if you have an Envoy deployed with each application, it can automatically and transparently encrypt the traffic between the applications. But to make that work, I mean, there's other that are involved with that, right? There's the creation of certificates, signing the certificates, having a proper CA root integrated, uh, distributing the certificates, rotating them. So that's another thing that, that Istio can do. So it's, it's basically the management of this higher level functionality that you can get out of, out of the service mesh. You gave me the shivers when I heard certificates and root CAs. <laughs> like those are, those are never fun. But uh, so just to kind of draw an analogy here, and it's something kind of heard in the background in the past, especially when I was at the, the Google conference. You know, Istio, I potentially could describe that as the control plane and Envoy is kind of the data plane of a service mesh. Is that about right to you? Yeah, definitely. And I think maybe that helps to, to frame the, the rest of the conversation or some of the stuff that I've said. So the data plane, this is where all of the requests and this is where all of the traffic is flowing. And it's flowing through these, these different proxies between services. And we need a way to manage that and control that. So that's, that's where Istio comes into the picture. In the reading I was doing on Istio, Christian, my understanding is that Istio only runs in conjunction with an orchestrator like Kubernetes. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'll, I'll tell you what I think, and then you tell me if I'm right or wrong and how it all yeah. works. So, so if that's true, uh, runs as, uh, only in conjunction with an orchestrator like Kubernetes, that would mean to run the services mesh, I've got three pieces. I've got Kubernetes or whatever the orchestrator is, Istio and Envoy. If I've got that architecture about right, can you explain in simple terms how these three things work together, what the job of each is? Yeah, definitely. So first I'll clear up. Istio is not tied to Kubernetes. Istio's first deployment platform that we targeted was Kubernetes, but for example, the people at uh, Pivotal, they're looking to bring Istio into Cloud Foundry. I think the Mesos folks were looking at uh, Istio and, and DCOS. 
Istio is intended to be at some point run across regular VMs or even physical hardware. So today, although the primary um, deployment platform is Kubernetes, it's not in any way tied to it. The APIs are in, in place and the modularity is in place to be able to expand to other platforms as well. But so basically, you know, how, how these three components come together is Kubernetes has solved a particularly difficult problem in how do you deploy applications in containers and manage them across a fleet of hosts, a cluster, right? So Kubernetes' sole purpose for being is deployments. How do you start and stop things? How do you check the health of things? How do you scale, auto-scale these types of you know, the deployments? Applications need to get out there. But now when the applications get out there, for them to do anything of value, they need to interact with each other and need to talk with either each other or databases or queues or caches or whatever they need to, there's going to be some amount of networking at the application layer. And so that's where Envoy and Istio come into play is they solve those hard challenges. Uh, well, now these applications need to talk to each other over a network, a network running in the cloud. How do we solve for resiliency policy? Who's allowed to talk with whom? Uh, security and, uh, and traffic routing. when talking about proxies, Christian stated that, you know, this functionality has to live somewhere. And that sounds like a good start to approaching the problem, right? Rather than deploying the functionality of proxies again and again, and using the specific code base of that library or the framework that you chose, hey, you can make the proxy functionality a modular item within the architecture because operations, yo, <laughs> what's on your head, Ethan? Well, the trade-offs of complexity, because we were talking about that architecture, exactly, that functionally does have to live somewhere, so you could pull it out of the application that removes some complexity from that app and puts less of a burden on the developer, but it moves it somewhere else into this other thing, this other process that now you've got to deal with and manage. So complexity and application design and any sort of infrastructure architecture, there's, the, there's always a trade-off, and if you didn't find the trade-off, you didn't look hard enough. Before we go back to the show, you should know about IT Pro TV. This is online on-demand training that helps you certify in a variety of programs, including Certified Ethical Hacker Version 9, AWS Certified Solutions Architect Associate, AWS Certified SysOps Administrator, and then Cisco certs like CCNA and CCNP, Microsoft certs like MCSA and MCSE, and VMware, VCP6 Data Center Virtualization, and many more. The course library has something for you, whether you're brand new to the industry and you're just trying to skill up fast, or maybe you've been around for a while and you want to stay sharp. IT Pro TV keeps the course library current, recording new content live every day, and they are hoping you will find it binge-worthy learning. You can consume the courses pretty much any way you want. You can stream either the live courses or the on-demand courses from your desktop, mobile device, Apple TV, Roku, and Fire TV. And now the big question, what about pricing? Well, premium subscriptions, which include unlimited Kaplan practice exams and virtual labs, are normally $857 per year. But when you use code Datanauts, you'll only pay $600 per year. Standard subscriptions and corporate memberships are also available. So choose a plan, create an account, and learn. Visit itpro.tv slash data and use code Datanauts to try it free for seven days and receive 30% off your monthly membership for the lifetime of your active subscription. 
One more time, itpro.tv slash data and use code datanauts. And now back to the show. So I think that was a good dive into Istio and Envoy. And just for those out there playing the home game, Istio 1.0 was announced at the end of July 2018 for whenever you're listening to this. Now, Christian, Istio talks about four main capabilities. Those are broken down into traffic management, observability, policy enforcement, and service identity and security, you know, as the, as the last one combined. Let's take a journey through some of these and kind of walk through what each one is meant. And I think the first one I'll want to bring up is traffic management. Help me understand the use case for that and, and what the flows look like and, and you know, just a day in the life, if you will. Yeah, absolutely happy to do that. Uh, first thing, of those four capabilities that you mentioned, uh, it's important to note, I don't want people to, to come away thinking, wow, this thing does or tries to do everything under the sun or you know, it's trying <laughs> yeah. to overreach in its capabilities. I do want to point out that although it can do all this stuff, you may only need a subset of it. And with, with Istio, you, you can be pretty surgical with which parts and which pieces you bring in and which problems you try to solve instead of trying to you know, bite off everything all at once. So that's, that, that's important to keep in mind that from a traffic management perspective, it really comes down to when you start to bring new deployments into your application. So you're trying to change code and bring uh, new versions of your code. You want a way to, in a more controlled way, put in place who's allowed to see those new code changes. So I guess the way that I, I you know, the Turbine Labs guys who start up out in San Francisco who are also working on some of this stuff, they had an awesome blog post uh, maybe a year ago, year and a half ago. It distilled this distinction between doing a deployment of our code and doing a release of our code. In the past, and and big organizations, I, I used to work at a big bank many years ago. This is exactly what we did. We change code. Everybody gets together, do a deployment. What you end up doing is taking down your existing deployment and bringing up the new one, right? And maybe you do it in a rolling upgrade or some way. But basically, once you start to take away the old one, bring the new one in, it's in rotation. It's taking traffic. And as soon as you, as you quote unquote, deploy, you get, you know, if you, if you introduce bugs or things that you didn't intend, then customers are seeing that and they're impacted and people start to freak out. So I think, you know, decoupling those concepts of deployment and release in, in so far that when you do a deployment, that means you bring code to production, you bring it into the deployment platform. For example, in Kubernetes, you actually do a deployment into production, pods start coming up, but nobody actually sees it because you have, if, if you have fine, uh, control over the traffic in the system. And when the business decides, okay, it's time to do a release, now we can start to slowly bring traffic over from the live production traffic flow into our new deployment and observe how it behaves. But we don't want to do it all, all or nothing. Maybe we want to bring just maybe 5% of our internal employees traffic only. So we don't want to, we don't want to impact everybody else, certainly not our paying customers. So let's bring over just maybe our, our internal employees. So we can direct 5% of internal employee traffic to our new deployment and watch the metrics, watch the uh, exceptions and the logs and all that stuff and response times and that kind of thing and make sure that it's, it's behaving the way we're expecting it to. So I'd be writing a policy of some sort within Istio and then that is going to get pushed down into 
Envoy, my sidecar proxy, and it's that policy, the, the language is rich enough to allow me to do something as nuanced as what you just described. Exactly. So with, with Istio, we can create routing rules that match on you know, HTTP context paths or headers or things in cookies and route traffic to specific versions of a deployment deep within the cluster, deep within a call graph. So not just at the edge where traffic is first coming in, but you know if if A calls B calls C, and we want to deploy a C prime, but only show that to a certain group of users, we can use Istio to say that whenever anybody tries to talk to C, send five percent of that traffic to C prime because if it matches this this criteria. Now you also mentioned. Uh observe the results. I'm managing traffic in this way. Now I'm observing the results. So, so observability then is another feature of Istio. What, what do we really mean by that? Is that just telemetry or something else? So Istio, through the use of Envoy, because so remember Envoy is the underpinning, is the data plane, is the underpinning. So where this stuff kind of, the telemetry collection happens. Um, with Istio, we're able to pull back telemetry, like requests, requests per second, failures, number of connections and this types of stuff, and, and, and pull that into a backend system. Istio is not opinionated about what backend metrics collection database you want to use. You can use anything. Istio is specifically built on an adapter architecture that you can, if an adapter doesn't exist for your backend database, you can write it yourself or the community will eventually get to it. But, but it's also able to participate in distributed tracing. So things like the open tracing API, like Zipkin, Jaeger, these kind of backend systems. So when when call when a when a call traverses multiple services, at each hop we can record a span, a tracing span, send that to the distributed tracing engine, and we can track where exactly did this call go and how long did this call take. And so that combined with these top level application request metrics, we can get some black box observability into the system. That's not sufficient for understanding more deeper what the applications are doing. So we still have to instrument our applications. But I think at a, at a high level, we're able to offload some of that stuff to the service mesh. I mean, it, it helps a lot because the service mesh is in the middle of all the conversations in this architecture that we're describing. And so now you've got a series of processes that actually see the flow of calls between each microservice and you should be able to map out there what is actually happening during a, a, you know, a high-level call. You've got these processes that are there. So being able to pull that information out, that sounds like the right place for that information to be gathered from. Yeah, absolutely. That by itself, if you're going to adopt Istio just, and, and of course, you're going to do it in small baby steps, not by trying to pull the whole thing down, but that's one of the first big wins that, that people will see. Is it just by putting is to put it, putting those sidecar proxies there and not doing anything else, you get a level of insight into what's happening in your system without touching the applications. Hmm. So another thing we've mentioned here then is policy, that we're actually creating policy. We've got some kind of a policy language construct, and then we're able to push that policy down into, uh, into Envoy, into our data plane here from Istio, the control plane. What's that look like? Is there some kind of a, a command line language or, or a GUI that I'm working with? How do I actually create policy and then ask uh, Istio to enforce that for me? So there's a, let me describe a, a full request, what that looks like. So a request comes in 
to the cluster. And if it goes to one of these services called Service Foo, Service Foo has a sidecar proxy. All the traffic going into it out of Service Foo has to go through this proxy, right? Now, and this proxy is Envoy, and it can add, you know, the distributed tracing, the metric collection, all that stuff that we talked about. But it also, for these requests that comes in, the proxy will reach out to the Istio policy engine and say, hey, can you check this for me? Am I allowed to actually service this request? Is this allowable by the, the user and who's calling and, and that kind of thing? Can you check that for me? And the Istio policy engine will say, yep, this one's good or nope, this one's not good. And the policy engine can delegate the responsibility of who's making that decision. So there are some a handful of artifacts or, or constructs inside of the Istio policy that we can use to uh, implement things like access, simple access control lists, quota-based usage, these types of things. But you can also delegate that out to a real full-blown policy engine. There's a, a project that just joined the CNCF that's pretty interesting around this that takes a little bit broader view of, of policy. That's called the Open Policy Agent. So Istio has a, has a plugin for, for delegating to that. But so basically, the, the proxies are going to reach out to the policy engine and say, hey, is this allowed? If not, then it'll decline the request. If so, then it'll continue with the request. So it tries to do this for every single request that comes in. Now, of course, your listeners are probably thinking, well, that's stupid because that's going to be a huge performance <laughs> on that, right? But this is implemented in such a way that a lot of these policies, they don't change request to request. So there's a lot of heavy caching that's involved in both the proxies when they query for their the policy response, and also the policy engine, the Istio policy engine itself. There's a lot of caching involved so that that part doesn't become a, a bottleneck. I definitely enjoy the kind of the plumbing conversation around traffic management and, and policy and whatnot. But honestly, the, the item I'm really curious on is the service identity and security. Because to me, that's, again, it's kind of from the outside looking in, having a distributed application means a lot of places where you could potentially insert yourself to... Yep. Throw, you know, throw a wrench in the works. So can you describe that use case? And, and also I have to say, what was it, the open policy agent that you talked about? It's probably mm-hmm. the most clearly defined name of a project I've ever heard in the open source. <laughs> it's like cactus hat, you know, and you have no idea what that does. <laughs> Anyways, just thinking yeah. about that out loud. But yeah, service identity and security they, definitely. They, they didn't get too, too creative with the name, but that's a good thing here. <laughs> yeah, it's very self-describing, which I like. Yeah, so... so at Red Hat, we asked our customers. So I was very excited about the traffic management part. That, to me, bringing deployments out into production, that's such a hard thing. And we kind of gloss over it by saying, oh, yeah, CICD. But when you actually bring things into production, the amount of risk that you introduce when, if you try to go fast, if you're not doing it right, that's, that's tremendous. And that, that, that's a problem. But I was, so I was super excited about the traffic management aspects. When we polled our customers at Red Hat, a handful of our customers, we said, hey, if you had these capabilities, and we showed them these capabilities, and you had them today, which ones would you use today? Which, which would be your priority? And traffic management wasn't the priority, <laughs> to my dismay. Ooh. It was security. And so one of the things that Istio does, I started to hint at, at this, with the fact that Envoy can, if you, if you give it a certificate, Envoy can upgrade your, your connection to, to SSL or TLS. So with, with Istio, what we can do is not just upgrade the connection to TLS, but 
upgrade it to mutual TLS so that both sides of the connection have an understanding about who the other side really is. And in Istio, the identity protocol that's being used today is from the it's an implementation of the spec outlined by the Spiffy community, S-P-I-F-F-E, secure production identity framework for everyone, or something like that. So with, uh, within Istio, we, we leverage the deployment platform to assert identity. So for example, Kubernetes. And if it's a different deployment platform, this implementation would be slightly different, but still following the Spiffy spec. In Kubernetes, what we say is each workload, each deployment that we do, you should assign a service account to it. And this is kind of a good practice in Kubernetes world anyway. Each deployment has its own service account and a service account is just a name that uh, can be used to assign authorizations to basically and, and authentication to. And when the workloads get deployed, they all have their own service accounts. And what Istio is going to do is for each of those service accounts is going to create certificates and, and keys for those workloads and mount those certificates into each of the pods that run inside of Kubernetes for those workloads. Each, each workload has its own identity defined by the service account. Istio is just creating the, cert the certificates and giving them out to their respective workloads. Now, when the workloads try to communicate and talk with each other, we can uh, tell Istio that all of the traffic needs to be mutual TLS. And at uh, runtime, then they'll do that SSL exchange or TLS exchange and, uh, and do that. When an application is made up of a complex series of calls between microservices, this is different from what a lot of people are used to with a simple set of VMs and a load balancer cluster and some pool members, right? This is a different animal now. It's similar, but eh. The tooling you need to measure performance and troubleshoot problems, that's got to be different too. You can't just like parse through a packet trace. You, you, you need something that can observe at a higher level what's going on and then help to correlate all that information. And so that's, that's really what I see percolating to the service here with tools like Istio and Envoy. They've got a microservices architecture in mind and are helping operations grow with the uh, needed complexity of these applications. What's on your mind, Chris? You know, I like that Christian point out that there's a lot of, you know, groovy use cases that you can use with Istio and Envoy, but I thought it was worth underlining the fact that you don't have to consume all of them, right? It's often actually a good idea to look over your project and identify the critical success factors that are driving your design or your architecture, and then align your technology decisions against them versus just looking at a use case or looking at a technology and trying to back that into the architecture. Christian, I want to get into day two operations. I've got Istio and Envoy. It's part of my world now. Help me understand the stability here, because it's kind of early days for Istio and Envoy. We mentioned 1.0 just got released. How stable is this code? That's a great question. I would say if we're, if we're talking about Envoy separately, that Envoy is very stable. Envoy is being used to power Lyft today. And I think places like eBay and Verizon and, and many others actually use it. Wait, who? I've never uh, heard of those guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not in the news because they're they're doing they're doing well and they're not you know they're not suffering any outages because of Envoy. Um, no, Envoy is 
stable, is very stable as a former consultant and someone who had to be very careful in recommendations that I make because I would I would end up having to support it or 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 worse. I would say I would use Envoy. I would use Envoy in production today. Now Istio did just get 1.0 on 31st of July. And Google is has come out and said it's production ready, we'll support it. Now working at Red Hat, I'm still pretty conservative about about that. I, I don't think I would run Istio in production today. It's not that far off. I think when Red Hat puts its stamp on it uh, in terms of QA, in terms of security, in terms of multi-tenancy, these types of things that our customers want when running on-prem, when Red Hat puts its stamp on it, then I'll, I'll be a little bit more confident about running it in production. Now, if you're, if you're not looking at Red Hat and you're not looking at Google and you're thinking about running it yourself, I would, and it's 1.0 today, I would say give it a couple more patch releases. There's some things that you know that we're that we're working through. I like the transparency there. Let's say I'm already in this world where I have a microservices architecture. You know, maybe it's complete or it's a work in progress. But either way, some part of it is in production. How do I introduce Istio and Envoy onto that architecture? Is it like stand up new environment swing over, or is there a way to kind of weld it all together? So you can be pretty fine-grained with Istio about which workloads are, are enabled. So you can, you can specify which, which namespaces, which pods are to get this uh, Istio sidecar proxy injected into it um, and, then, and then have it participate in the service mesh. So it doesn't have to be an all, you know, your entire fleet of Kubernetes clusters or, or all of it or nothing, right? You can you can be very surgical about which workloads that you'd like to to transition over, and it doesn't have to be a new. You don't have to st- stand up a separate cluster to start doing this. Uh, now, and now, realistically, obviously, you want to try to do as much of this in lower environments as possible. So, in your IST, UAT, Prodmir, or whatever you want, those are. And and referring back to my previous comment about well, wait wait a couple more patch releases. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be pushing on this today, right now, and building up the expertise to operate it today. I think those are going to be far more important challenges than just the technology itself. I think Istio, because it, it, it can do so much, it's going to, when what I've seen, bring it into an organization. The friction you're going to start off with, well, okay, so who owns this thing? Um, who's responsible for which pieces? Uh, you know, it's going to bring up interesting and sometimes difficult conversations with operators who are used to doing things a certain way. Uh, I think that those are going to be the bigger challenges bringing it in than just, you know, how do we adopt it? How do we patch it? How do we, I mean, those those things are important, yeah. but I think that the organizational friction is going to be going to be a bigger hurdle up, up front, just like it was for Kubernetes. So for an operator who's trying to visualize in their mind how they are going to interact with these services. You mentioned some of it already, but uh, but what does my tooling look like? And I realize we're talking about multiple services here. We've got Istio, Envoy, and then uh, the orchestrator piece. So GUI, CLI, is it, it maybe it's integrated with my orchestration interface. I'll even take it a step further. How, how do I visualize what, what they're doing? Do I use something like Grafana to, to, to put telemetry on a screen? Give us a sense of that. Yep. So just like Kubernetes, 
I think Istio is just like Kubernetes in the sense that if you're doing it right, you don't even know it's there or you shouldn't, you don't need to know that it's there. Developers aren't interacting with QCTL and they're not going to interact with Istio CTL. Operators, obviously, as they run their platform, they're, uh, the more they know about the platform, the better. But from a user perspective, Istio should be hidden behind, it should just be part of your CICD pipeline, for example. When you do builds and releases onto production, it just should be a well-understood, coordinated set of, uh, of functions that the CICD provider does. Uh, all of this should be, all of the configs, all of the uh, artifacts that you would use to control Istio, these should all be version controlled. I'm a big fan of this GitOps philosophy where everything is checked into Git, changes between environments and promotions between environments happen through pull requests and operators inside the cluster. So the CICD platform doesn't even have access to the clusters, just talks to, to Git, and then operators are running inside of the platform when they notice things change in Git, then they apply the, those changes. Ideally, a lot of the, the functionality of Istio is recognized in CICD in your existing monitoring and observability tools like Grafana, for example, and not, you know, not, not, not something that people deal with directly. Yeah, right. I, I, so it's more like a capability extension of your existing environment as opposed to this separate thing that you now are, are dealing with. I mean, it, it is a new thing and there is, as you said, some operators are going to be well served if they understand what's really going on under the hood. But generally speaking, it's you just gave your existing environment some more powers. Right, exactly. <laughs> and the whole time you're describing that, I feel like Ethan's just sad panda wishing that network switches work that way. <laughs> oh, baby, you are wrong. <laughs> well, let's take a, a little bit of a U-turn here and talk about, you know, when life isn't so grand. Let's say you're experiencing issues, they're performance-related, and you have Istio and Envoy in your service mesh. And I'm not saying it's specifically those items that are causing an issue, but something we tend to ask a lot here on the show is, how do you troubleshoot performance and, and other issues when you're dealing with the distributed service? You know, in this case, what is the process to kind of nail down the problem when I've introduced Istio and Envoy into my environment? Right. And, you know, and it might be Istio and Envoy. So you have, that is absolutely part of the, the landscape now. So in, in general, the more you know about the system, the more you're able to observe it in real time and understand how it operates at known good times the more confidence at least you'll have in when things start to go sideways that, that it'll help you that observability those metrics that collection that collection of telemetry either from the service mesh or from the applications themselves or from the underlying platforms or the you know, all the way down to hypervisor and hardware and all that stuff you know the more information that you can get the the more confident you'll you'll be so i mean it's not going to be unlike trying to debug any performance issue without the service mesh. I, I think as you start to narrow it down, as you say, oh, well, this, this service seems to be showing, a, showing high latency for some reason. Um, you know, then you can go, so using your distributed tracing, you can say, oh, this service seems to be pretty slow over here. Then I can start to look at that service and look at its specific telemetry. Maybe it's just one or two pods in, in a workload. Uh, you can try to isolate those those pods and uh, do things like put synthetic traffic into it and, and observe it outside of the wider cluster. And then, and then dig into it from there, really. I mean, there's not, uh, 
I think Istio and Envoy give you more avenues to collect that black box telemetry. Yeah, I'm imagining before you'd have to kind of shim something in the middle, and now, hey, you have a shim, and it's controllable, and it has all these use cases. So at the very least, you can kind of drive behavior versus being driven around. Right, exactly. Uh, Istio does have some capabilities out of the box to help you debug. You know, you, you can look at, for example, you can even even though the configuration for Envoy is discovered dynamically, you can you can connect up to the pod and say, "Hey, Envoy, give me all the configuration that you think is you know that, w- what is it the state of the world for you right now at this second?" And so you can get the Envoy config, and there's even tools in Istio to say, "Hey, do a diff with that config compared to what the the API server is saying, the the Istio." API server is saying and do a config and see are those out of sync? Are, is a configuration stale here? Uh, Liam White from IBM wrote uh, quite a handful of those tools to to help us introspect the configuration settings of the proxy. So I, there, there are tools out there to to help debug if you're able to narrow. Obviously, you get, when you start off with things slowing down or failing for some reason, you, you start at a, at, a, at a wide aperture and then you start to narrow things down into uh, hopefully where the issues might be. And then you can use these tools to sort out, well, is this an Istio thing? Is this an application thing? And then go from there. Hmm. What's the process for upgrading Istio and Envoy? Because it feels like there might be a lot of interdependencies you got to worry about. Versions maybe not talking to each other and or integration with the orchestrator becomes a problem because, who knows, an API change or something where you got to be super careful about the upgrade. Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely a, a big concern. I would say that up, since the data plane itself, so I, I don't like to look at, uh, when you look at it, you're deploying an application, I don't like to say that this is the Envoy part and this is the application part. Although architecturally they are, they're the application that, and that application is responsible for those concerns. Some of them happen to be cons- uh, implemented out of process from the actual developer code, right? So when you look at, when you look at it that way, when you start doing uh, patches or upgrades, it's no different than doing patches or upgrades on your application code, at least from the data plane perspective, right? Uh, so you're you're making changes and you're unrolling them the same way that you would with with any application code. Now the the control plane is is a little bit more important, but I do want to point out that if if the entire control plane went down, the data plane, the service, you know, the the mesh part where the, where requests are flowing back and forth. Those are, are not going to be impacted, at least not right away. Yeah, they're, they're still up. They're fairly resilient to control plane going down. So, of course, you want to take some con, uh, some care, consideration when you're upgrading the control plane components. But if, if the pilot, which is the main API server, ends up going down for half an hour or something, that's not the end of the world. The traffic's still going to flow uh, based on its last known configuration. So I guess kind of a coffin nail question for you, Christian, is around community. And, and again, I heard a lot about Istio and Envoy while I was at the Google Next conference, and it sounded pretty positive. People were just interested in, in what the tech does. But what's the community like? Is it easy to get support? You know, kind of how do I get involved and what's the vibe? So getting involved is fairly, fairly easy, I hope. So the best way to get involved really is just to download it and start using it and reading the documentation. And if there's some inconsistencies or if something's not clear or you run into an issue 
and you know you go on the mailing you know so, so opening up issues on the mailing list on github issues those are all awesome awesome ways to contribute but then you know maybe you do figure it out then open an issue or open a pull request to say to the documentation say hey fix the documentation I mean, so i think those are fairly straightforward ways to get to initially get involved i started off in open source a little while ago or quite a while ago now but uh, i don't like this this idea that people think well if i'm not submitting you know, bug pull requests and solving all these major difficult advanced networking things that I'm not doing anything constructive for the community. And that's, that's awfully wrong. Just using it, providing feedback, that's invaluable stuff. The more that you want to do from there, it's, it's up to you. But just just getting those basic steps, that is that is invaluable to the community. Yeah, we, we've heard about the feedback, and we've also heard about uh, contributing to documentation. Even if you're not a coder, if you just help uh, support documentation, that can be a very meaningful contribution. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot, and there's lots of areas in uh, in Istio to to get involved in in documentation and submitting issues, and you know just getting some hands-on experience with it. And reach out to me personally, like I I do in a lot of my talks. I put up my contact information there for people to reach out, not just about whatever the talk's going to be about, but if you're interested in getting involved in open source. And, you know, if there's specific projects you have in mind, and you know, I'd be happy to give you some pointers. Most, I would say 98% of the time, uh, maintainers of projects are very, very excited to have anybody come look at their project. So <laughs> I, I, you know, those are just, those are, those are very small barrier to entry to get involved in open source. Well, Christian, if people can reach out to you then as a way to close off the show, how, how do people do that? How do they find you on the internet? Yep, I'm on the internet on Twitter probably the, the the first way. So at Christian Posta, P-O-S-T-A. I'm on GitHub. I blog. It used to be quite, quite frequently. The last few months, I've not had a new blog, but I blog about these, these sort of topics. So not just what Istio can do, but once you put Istio or Service Mesh in, into place, sort of the, some of the more difficult things, the nasty things that, that crop up. So I like talking about that. Microservices in general, I've written a book on that. I'm working on a book for Manning called Istio in Action. So my blog and, uh, and Twitter, uh, the blog is blog.christianposter.com. And then uh, absolutely, you know, you, you can reach out to me, but for any of these specific projects, the mailing list, so go to istio.io, you know, download the community mailing list information is in there, envoyproxy.io, um, go, go to these websites. And we've got tons of links uh, for you on this topic. So if you are listening and you hit the show notes, either in your podcatcher, uh, your phone there, and take a look, we've got links there for you to click through to or at packetpushers.net. Go to the Datanauts podcast page. It's like a distributed service mesh of links. There is all kinds of stuff there. And that brings us to the end of today's edition of the Datanauts podcast. You can reach Ethan. That is me at EC Banks on Twitter. Uh, check out my about page at ethancbanks.com. If you like, you can tickle Chris's sidecar proxy at Chris Wall on Twitter or at wallnetwork.com. And for more of our Datanaut shows about infrastructure engineering, roll your rocket over to the launching pad. That is packetpushers.net. You will find the Datanauts having full throttle conversations about containers and service meshes, distributed storage, automation, cloud native, full stack engineering, and more. You get the idea. And until then, may your server lights blink, your service mesh be observable, and your cables be cleanly managed.
throttle is always full. <laughs> <laughs>